it's often said in ministerial circles that a minister has but one sermon that they give over and over and over, over the many decades of their career. And I'm starting to realize that I've been at this for four or five years through formation towards becoming a minister, that I am not going to escape that orbit. That I too have but one essential message. And it is, of course, the message that I also most need to hear. My message is one about vulnerability, about seeing and being seen. It is about being willing to recognize that the act of creating wholeness is an act of resistance. Most of us born and raised or living in North America have been fed a steady diet that we are born broken. And so the act of participating in a Unitarian Universalist community that recognizes the worth and dignity of all people as an inherent quality of our humanity is an act of radical resistance. So I'm proud to be one of you and to walk among you as an everyday radical, holding out a hand and saying, we are already whole. And so my sermon to you this morning is an invitation to recognize that that wholeness is untouchable inside of you. That no matter who you are or where you have been or what may yet happen to you, that you are already whole. And I see that in you. My hope is that this time that we are together on Sundays is always a time of gentleness, a time of kindness, and a time of deep care. May my words fall upon you this morning as blessing. So, let's start with a question. How many of you in this room, you can raise your hand, have ever cut your finger? About 100%, I'm going to say. You can put your hand down. Every single person has at least once in their life, and if you're like me, multiple times a week sometimes, has cut our fingers. And I invite you in this moment, think about a time that you cut your finger maybe many, many years ago as a child or as a young adult. And look now where that cut might have been on your hand. Is the cut still there? No. It healed ages ago. There might be, for some of you, a scar. And for some of you, there also may be a story. But the original cut itself is long gone. Now ask yourself this. How did you do that? How did you make that cut go away? What steps did you take? What conscious effort did you put forth to make that skin weave itself back together? The answer is you did very little other than practice good hygiene. 
probably. You kept it clean. You kept it covered. And you let time pass. You kept it free of infection. And the body did its own thing. And then one day, you took off the covering and the skin was sealed back together. Changed. A little different. But healed. And if you think about that for a moment, it's pretty miraculous. That without any conscious effort on our part, the body knows how to heal itself. I would suggest the same is true of our hearts and of our lives. That we are called when our hearts are broken and our lives feel like they are falling apart to recall that it is not so much the conscious effort that allows us to heal, but it is keeping our hearts and our lives clean, covered, and free of infection. Let's talk about what that looks like. Because that is the path that takes us back to wholeness. Well, when we cut our hand, we're called to clean it with soap and water and change the covering. When our hearts are broken and our lives feel a little bit out of balance, the self-care that we're called to do is a little bit different. Still, we need to get plenty of rest and eat good nourishing food, but we get to add new things in. A good friend, a little bit of meditation, perhaps some time in nature. In my case, occasionally copious amounts of chocolate, a glass of wine, some tears, and the passage of time. And when we do these things, when we practice this way, our hearts and our lives wield a new kind of magic. They wend themselves back together. Because health and wholeness is what our bodies, our hearts, and our lives crave. Because we are made to be alive. And our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our hearts crave life. And all we need to do is just get out of the way of that healing process by keeping our hearts clean, covered, and free of infection. It starts with a relationship to yourself. When we pay attention to what our hearts require, we learn to pay attention to what we need. And we learn to give to ourselves, first and foremost, those things that will heal us. If we're lucky to be blessed by parents who know this, we learn it firsthand. Some of us don't have that opportunity, and so we must teach ourselves as adults by creating intentional communities of care so that we can learn those skills for heart healing and life healing. Sometimes this work is really hard because, again, in our culture, we're taught that to put the self first is to be selfish. But as Parker Palmer writes, self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, he writes. It is stewardship of the gift I was put on earth to offer to others. And any time we can listen to true self, 
and give it the care it requires. We do it not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. I wish I could be Parker Palmer sometimes. His words are so clear about the path forward to healing and to wholeness. He, of course, is not the only one who may teach us about this path. Another of my favorite teachers is Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Tibetan Buddhist who many of you are probably well familiar with. And he teaches us that every journey to wholeness starts with the simple act of being present to and with ourselves. And he jokes that the only thing that's required is a body. And so since I know that each of you has cut your finger in the past, I know that each of you also has a body. And you also have a body that is capable of healing. And Thich Nhat Hanh teaches us you don't have to intentionally cut your finger to experience healing, wholeness, and presence. He teaches that the most mundane of acts, an act as mundane as washing the dishes, can be a great teacher for healing and for wholeness. He invites us in many meditations over the years to consider that washing the dishes, the warm and soapy water, the intentional act of making something clean, the memory of food shared with those we care about is a great pathway forward to creating that sense of presence. And from that sense of presence, we may build our capacity to be our own best ally, our own best friend. It starts with presence. We are called first to be present with ourselves so that we can be present to and with those that we care most about. So work on that. I work on it. I hope that you do too. In fact, I know if I don't work on it, I'm really lost. And that's where the second piece comes in. We have to do this work together because we can only know ourselves through relationship with other people. We are not meant to be alone, ever. We are meant to be together in that push and that pull and that draw of relationship. I know this journey quite personally. For some time ago, when I was struggling to find wholeness in my life, I woke one morning before dawn to find that a package had been delivered to my front step some time the day before. And since it wasn't close to my birthday or the holidays, I was immediately curious about who this package might have been from. As I stooped down to pick it up, I saw the impossibly neat handwriting of my cousin Christina from back east, who I'd seen some weeks prior at a family wedding. I walked back inside and sat on the couch and tore the package open carefully, carefully. Inside was Amy Poehler's latest book and a note from her, my cousin. Her note was short 
and simple. It seemed specific to the struggle I had been walking through, and her tone was one of encouragement. I want you to know that I see you, she wrote. I see your suffering, and I enter into it with you. I also want you to know that beyond your suffering, I see a landscape of wholeness waiting for you. And I trust you to keep going. I trust you to keep going. I see wholeness already rising within you. Her words landed softly in my heart. And of course the tears welled up. For to be seen in the midst of suffering is to know that we truly are not alone. We do not have to suffer alone. Her gift of encouragement helped me in those weeks and months to keep trusting that wholeness was indeed rising already within me. That healing was my birthright and that given enough time and enough good care, I would heal. I wouldn't be the same as before. My heart would heal itself and would show those changes. But I would be whole again. I was connected to myself via my relationship with her. Relationship means being willing to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is hard work. It's hard work because it takes so much courage to show up and to be seen and to be known. But I would like to suggest that it is actually harder to run from vulnerability than it is to stay put. Because when you stay put, when you stay in that moment, that's when the magic comes through. That's when the heart furls open. And more light can come inside. Emotional vulnerability, though, this naked, a naked, is like a nakedness of the heart. And nakedness makes a lot of us uncomfortable. But good things happen when we are naked with one another. I, for myself, am very glad that there are babies in the world. I plan to bless a lot of babies during my time as a minister. And babies only come from people being willing to be naked with one another. And so it is in community when we can be emotionally vulnerable, emotionally naked, and let other people see where we are, who we are, what we need, and what we desire to give to one another. Brene Brown, who is the ultimate guru of vulnerability, writes that most people believe vulnerability is weakness, but really vulnerability is courage. It is the courage to show up and be seen, the courage to ask for what you need, the courage to talk about how you are feeling, and the courage to have the hard conversation. But here's the thing I've noticed about courage 
It's like an elixir that is only handed out one dropper full at a time. You don't get to have an abundant amount of courage to take you over 12 leaps. You only get a few drops, just enough to get you to the edge of that leap that you have to take. And then you have to take the leap yourself. And when you take that leap, then the rest of the courage catches up with you. But gosh darn it, that leap is hard, isn't it? But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So we have to be in relationship with ourselves. We have to be in relationship with other people, at least one or two really good people in our lives, be they given family or chosen community. We need one another. And once we establish first that relationship with ourselves and second, that intimate community, then we are called to be in relationship to something greater than ourselves, something outside of that inner circle. We're called to be in community like this. We're called to be in communion with the whole of life. Over the millennia, human beings have created intentional communities in order to foster that kind of connection and that kind of growth. Some of these communities have been life-giving and life-affirming, and some less so. I want you to know that having walked with you these last few weeks and months, I see the care that you devote to creating this community as one that is a wellspring of life-giving and life-affirming energy. You are a blessing upon one another. And you are a blessing upon me and my life too. We are called to be in this community as a practice of wholeness. As a practice of winding down the paths of life such that we can know and be known, seen and be seen, bless and be blessed. I see it in you. I honor it in you and I call it forth in you. Pause for a moment and just be. Can you feel that energy sort of buzzing a little bit here? Calling you forth, connecting you, perhaps to someone you don't yet know well. Perhaps someone that you will come to know well. This place is holy. And we have met on holy ground. I will leave you with the words of Hildegard de Binion, a 12th century Benedictine nun and mystic, whose ability to see and bless the whole of humanity delights and astounds me. She writes, Good people, 
Good people, most royal greening verdancy rooted in the sun, you shine with radiant light. In this circle of earthly existence, you, so, you shine so finely. It surpasses understanding. God hugs you. You are encircled by the arms of the mystery of life. I love that part. God hugs you. So cute. I hug you. You hug yourself. And may this community hug you every day for the rest of your days together. May it be so. Blessed be and amen.